Shut up and sit down. Hello and welcome to Funny Business, a podcast for free thinkers and creators. I'm Robbie Hicks. And I'm Lockie Bradford. Well, today is Monday and that means we're getting to know the people behind the stories. We talk to guests from all walks of life and unpack what makes them special. We are naturally curious, Rob. That is what makes us special. Anyway, we could talk about ourselves all day, but Monday's episodes are all about our guests. Let's find out who we're talking to today. Brad, thank you so much for jumping on and joining us today on the Funny Business Podcast. For those at home listening, tell us, who are you and what do you do? Well, my name is um, Fred Shabesta, as um, it's it's pronounced Shabest Star, like the best star. Um, <laughs> and um, I, I guess I turn, you know, zeros into ones and then hand off the, the one people take it from you know two three four five six seven eight nine ten eleven twelve wherever it goes i sort of create things and you know i create be creating companies and initiatives and projects and i love building tech stuff and marketing stuff crypto stuff um i build i build some babies as well that's interesting business to be in it's it's time time consuming um So, um, yeah, but I promise I can share some stories. Hopefully that will be insightful. How did you even get into anything in the first place? Like we were always at, like at school, we used someone growing up like, fuck, I'm going to go and start my own businesses. I'm going to go and I'm deeply, I can see I've got entrepreneurial traits. I'm like that. Or how did, did you see something at a spark? Like what was the, your, what did you remember about then? I think, I don't know if I was, um, you know, it, maybe it was accidentally entrepreneurial. Like I would sell relatively contraband items in school, um, high margin and, um, you know, good trade. You knew you knew you were going to get, get through your inventory quick and it was a good cash flow business. Um, you know, I didn't do a large, large amount of entrepreneurial stuff. I just was always very curious, um, curious about computers, curious about things I could do, build, and I just got in, I, mainly, unfortunately, most of my time when I was a kid, I got into a lot of trouble. Um, <laughs> so um, I just, you know, tested the boundaries and played Dungeons and Dragons and computer games and like genuinely wouldn't, you know, wouldn't say that I was naturally trying to make money. I just wanted to go and do things differently. And it just so happens and it's just luck. I got like luck or by chance in this, not luck completely because you have to make your own, you know, do a lot of work to go and actually turn it into something. But it's just so happens in this version of the multiverse that rebelling and doing things in a different way um, is rewarded in um, if you see it through to the very end. So um, I always sort of, you know, very much paddle my own canoe and I would never, if you wanted me to do something and I didn't want to do it, it's just not going to happen and I'm going to do it my way and, Sometimes that way works really well. Sometimes it doesn't work so well. But in the net sense, it's some of the some of them have worked all right. Well, you live by the sword, die by the sword, kind of thing. Yeah, like my way, this is the way. So the the traditional pathways, early doors. Do were you looking at that and going, no, nah, not for me. Like I'm just going to sort of see what happens and just go where my gut sort of feels and just ride that out and just see what happens. You know, I got I, I had some jobs in the beginning. Um, I went for a job interview at Sun Microsystems. That was like the Microsoft back in the, you know, early late nineties, early two thousands. Um, I think they got they got bought by Oracle eventually. But 
I remember I was at the interview and I I turned up and he was asking me questions, you know, um, and I and I was like I was like this is really weird. This is two people sitting across the table from me asking me random questions. I'm I'm a bit puzzled. What's going on? I'm gonna like do some work or something. And he stopped and asked, "Hey, um, so what do you want to do in five years' time?" I said, "You know what? I'd love to sit in a cushy chair like you with." Um, you know, obviously having a great day and ask a young kid stupid questions and get paid for it. That sounds awesome. <laughs> I love that confidence though of you just doing that and not giving a fuck. Like I, I would probably do that if there was a bit of an audience there. You know, like if I've if I've got him giggling, I'll probably go a bit harder. Yeah, Locke's good like that. If he gets me giggling, he'll, he he like senses the humor and he <laughs> But you're just going fuck it. I'm here by myself, and this is how I fucking this is how I am. <laughs> Yeah, I, I was, I don't know. <laughs> I, I reflect on it now and it's like, I ask those, you know, I ask, I think I ask better questions, you know, pretty challenging questions when I interview someone, but I was just, I don't know. I was just like, what is happening? Like, I was just so, I had no context, none. I'm like, that looks like, if you're, if you're getting paid for doing this, I'm up. Like, this is awesome. Did you get the job? Definitely did not get called back. And I, <laughs> Got one of those letters, you know, we're sorry, we, you know, not, not this time. And I was like, next, you know, let's keep rolling. I think yeah, I had a pizza, pizza job as well. I used to, used to answer the phones and sell pizzas and deliver pizzas to people in trucks and things like that. I actually got a little bit addicted to pizza from that. Um, what, what, you know, you've got to eat your own pizza product. Choice. <clears throat> if you order pizza, what are you getting? I was... Um, it's interesting, like, oh, when, when I, because I just took, like, hundreds of orders, just sat there on the phone, like, taking people's orders, you know. I actually worked at Pizza Hut um, in the call center. And we just, you know, just, I'm talking, like, one call would end, then beep, next call, beep, next call. It was, like, just nonstop, right? It should have just been, like, the computer, online orders. Don't know if that still happens or not. Maybe it does. Um Anyway, so I learned all these wacky toppings that, and all the, I learned all the buttons that you could start to add on your pizza. And this is, this is, this is how my mind works, right? I'm like, I'm like, look at the edges of the far off distant system, you know, and how do you max, you know, minimize the cost, but maximize the topping. And like, just my mind naturally goes there. I don't know. It's, it's like one of those things that I don't know for, for good or better. I'm always curious about the angle, the edge where the traction is, you know, where the, where the edge is and then when you start actually entering into white space where you are now unique, interesting, compelling, um, worth commanding attention. You've earned it because you've done all the work, you've paid all the debt, invested all the money, learned all the tricks to get to the point where now you're going to actually go ahead and create something, be something and be, be, be unique and, and compelling. No, that's, well, a just, that, that's what I was going to mention there, the, the obsession with the start. So you mentioned the zero. That That is that, I assume. It's the, exactly what you just said there. How did you How did you know that that's what it was where it was just like, because I'm sure early doors you probably wanted to do more or something and then you wanted to scale back or I'm just assuming that. Maybe it wasn't like that. But, you know, did you try and go to the one, twos, threes, fours, fives and then just say, no, fuck it, I want to stay in the zeros to the ones because that's what I love doing. That's me. Actually, I you know in the beginning, I I just sort of tried to build websites, and you know my next door neighbor he asked me to build his site for him, which was just lucky again you know by chance. I didn't realize that building internet sites was going to be a big thing at all. I was just doing it for fun, 
And I built a business at the back of that. I thought, oh, here's an opportunity. And that was a very tough business. Selling websites is not an easy business to be in. Um, it's a service business. And I didn't know anything about running a company. I made all the mistakes you possibly could. Um, you know, I think within that, there was a few things I started and sort of shut down. I think after that, you know, I or towards the end of it, I just started like um, experimenting, just buying domain names, putting up web pages, and just spamming the internet with, you know, I built a women's perfume site. I built like, um, like a um, Mother's Day present, Sudoku, uh, sports betting, like anything you could possibly somehow get whack, like, like finding your lost super, and like I was just like. Like, you, like I'm an idea factory and I was like manufacturing all day, like little tiny little businesses. And some of them were, you know, and this is what we learned, right? We learned how to build websites and market them and, you know, where the angles and traffic were. And I was just experimenting and trying to make money just for the, you know, for the funsies really. Like not, not really, like more just for the challenge of, hey, how can I, you know, wrangle this internet game? Because selling sites was just, I you know, I had no job before that. I didn't, I didn't work at a big company. I just invented a job, really, and was grinding it out. And it was brutal. Um, but then, you know, we sold that company at the right time, I think. And, you know, then when I looked at these other little sites and, you know, one of them was Credit Card Finder. And it just by chance, it's, again, you know, this is, this is just, more my brute force persistence um, approach is, um, you know, spam lots of ideas out there and then potentially a few of them might stick. Uh, and then one of them maybe sometimes is okay. And your credit card finder was that that beginning one. And it was just, you know, I just saw it a model and it wasn't new or unique at all. I just thought, you know, I know how to build websites. I know how to do internet marketing. I'm just going to go and, see what happens um, <laughs> for the most part. I bought a computer. We had like eight, I think we had seven grand in the bank and I bought a five grand computer um, because I needed, my, my, my other computer didn't have a control key or a W key. It was just a bit slow to, 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 to make, you know, a website on. But I knew and I backed myself so convincingly. That if I had this computer, I knew because of all the work I'd done with other clients and how to build their site that I could, make this site go i just i knew it wasn't it wasn't like i was it's like it's like absolute conviction like clear definitive plan of how to win like playbook not even thinking just naturally coding and calling clients and doing i knew exactly what to do it just came naturally but that's because of seven years before that of grinding it out and once it goes live what was some of like initial traction and what were some of the early days like um you can actually go back in the way back machine on the internet in the internet archive it's pretty pretty punchy um uh you know we made like you know first i think you know we made like 80 dollars commission and i was so happy i was like whoa and we put something on the internet and someone went and clicked on it and i was like and then probably made like, you know, $70 and $120 and just bumbled along for months and months. I was like, I was just kicking a can out there, just going, what happens if you do this? And then 
I won the Young Direct Marketer of the Year award. Just, it was, you know, I entered and it was, I think it was, I got it, but, but what I got from it was a trip to Chicago. And I, I hadn't been to America in a very long time. And I went by, you know, by myself, obviously, uh, to Chicago. And which is kind of bizarre in and of itself as young, you know, uh, 27 year old, just, you know, and by the way, I did just side note back then. And I don't know if it's still the case. Chicago was a relatively dangerous place where I was staying and I had no idea. And so I was hungry at night. So I just walked out the door. I didn't realize you're not supposed to do that. I just walked out the door, homeless people and all these dudes that had come out here. I was like, man, like I'm trying to get something to eat. Just back up, <laughs> cold out here. I got to go. They're like, what is this guy? <laughs> like, anyway, that's, yeah, could have, could have ended up pretty badly, but I just, anyway, I remember that. And I walked into this joint. I just, the first place I could find, cause I'd never been into such a cold place. I didn't have that kind of clothing. And the one thing I learned from that is I went to um, what's called the DMA, which is the direct marketing association where the greatest of all direct marketers were. And this is something I've always done is to admire history. There are, there are like, great forefathers of entrepreneurship and knowledge they, and they have other people they've learned from and that they have learned from they've passed these ideas around like like luggage or like you know art that we just, we just keep humans carry art around for generations and centuries i don't know why and these ideas are the same thing and you need to go and find them and it just so happened that i met a guy and i don't think he realized what he was doing but he he talked about this um you know this this website and how it was a broadband company or something and how it was getting traffic and what it was doing and how he thought about the internet. And I was like, just blown away. I was like, I would never have thought like that. And, and it was just, it extended my mind that that whole trip extended my mind beyond anything I'd ever like in Australia was, it's just that information didn't exist. It was not around. And I think that's what extended me to be able to go and think bigger you know, and I've always gone to the US and I think, or any big country and they just think bigger, you know, and I think that's always been a challenge, but but a good source of inspiration. Oh, what, what, about, what about like juggling stuff? Like I can imagine like you get the early traction, things are happening. It sounds like you, when you do things, you're not half-heartedly doing things. You're like in there spending the hours pumping stuff out. Was it hard juggling and doing something at, at that scale that it ended up at? So I think in the beginning, like, so zero to like, you know, four people, like I feel super comfortable, 10, 15, 20, 25, 50. And once it starts going past like 50s, I'm unfortunately my approach and style is not quite, um, it's just not, it's, it's, it, it, there's more alignment and planning and, and then you get bigger and bigger and, you know, 100, 200 and it's just a whole different dimension of. Is it different people? Is it different needs? Cause it's not the same. It's not the same yeah. thing as it once was. It's not the same people who want to work at the crazy pace and just move quick and break shit. It's like, no, no, we're at scale now. Things have to be different. Is it, is it that vibe? And that, and also what matters more is not just the idea, but the sequence in which the ideas are placed. So which idea should occur before which and at what time in order to, you know, basically allocate and, and, and people's time and resources to the right things that, 
in a certain order so as that the outcome, a big outcome can happen. That's, that's a much more complex equation and with many people and dynamics and, um, you know, it's just, it just, I think it's a, you know, and I think, I, I think the, the, the planning and I can work through that and to, to some extent, no doubt, although I become less and less effective, um, I believe in, instead I'm much better than a much smaller team, um, with less people and a much more brutal challenge or, or problem to face. And then, you know, working to invent something or create something. I, it just, it's a self-awareness and it was a, I, I had that awareness. Um, it was about 2015 was when I really, you know, sort of discovered that. And it was kind of a brutal realization because I, one morning I realized that no one in the company reported to me anymore. <laughs> I was like, that's good. That's like, like I read the e-myth and, you know, I executed the e-myth and that's what you're supposed to do that hire people and put them all in the roles and they all, you know, and it all works. And then I realized like I was out. Um, and that's kind of weird. Like, and then I lost myself to some extent. I think it was a relatively dark time. Um, I was, I was also going, you know, I, I was in the middle of a divorce and um, just a very dark, yeah, challenging time. I did some probably some things, some dumb things during that. And, you know, I tried to like, you know, cope as best I could. Um, Must be but, tough, man. That's lost fucking hard. Yeah, that's hard, bro. Yeah. Yeah. And I wouldn't, wouldn't, wouldn't encourage um, that. And, you know, I was had two little girls and I was trying to be a dad, a single dad at the same time and, you know, do my, do my best. But how old are you now? So they're 13 and one just turned 10 today. So, and I have a little one-year-old as well. Shit, it's all happening. Full house. Full house, top to bottom. Good like a, yeah. (laughs) My daughter turned one last week. So I I don't know how you went through all that with, with, Two and another one on the way, plus the business and doing the other stuff. Like that's, like that's the the that's mental the, the mental the toughness reality. that yeah. it takes to yeah. do something at this scale. I think that everyone sees like we we have heaps of people who follow us along on the pod that talk things like they've always got their idea they want to get off the ground or make shit actually happen. But like, so make shit actually happen, and once it happens, like the impact that that has, the the amount of pressure and or stuff. It's like professional athletes getting up to be the best in their sport. Like there's a lot of pressure attached to doing what you do. And I, I fucking feel for you to have to go through something as, as big as, as that. It's crazy. Yeah. I think uh, just to phrase where I sort of see is, you know, someone I was listening to this, um, there's a podcast I really enjoy called founders. I don't know if, yeah, if I'm allowed to talk about that or, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but it, yeah, it's a good, another one to share if you, you know, talks a lot about the s- stories, but I think Paul Graham in one of his essays wrote um, the startup experience is two, only two emotions. Uh, one is terror and the other one is euphoria and you don't experience anything else in between. <laughs> um, Paul so, Graham, love him. His essays, grouse. Agreed, agreed. Really quite profound. Um you know, I, I think I chose those things. You know, I'm responsible for that. I, I made those choices. Uh, 
I, I didn't feel I appreciate your you know empathy within that and but I don't actually I in the time I was like I chose this I'm I was fully signed up and knew what I'd put myself into and um it was just intense. It was just an intense time. Closer to terror mixed with distress um, and, you know, I'd say relatively first world problems, you know, but at the same time, you know, I, you know, I probably haven't slept in 20 years, but, you know. <laughs> Regulating your emotions on the pendulum swing of like that, that's hard as fuck. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like the severe of like, fuck, if anything's possible to fuck, this is crazy. Like monitoring your emotions throughout that, that's what you learn throughout experience, yeah, and time. Oh, I was a much more flighty, emotional wreckage. I, I've been working with an emotional coach for about seven years and he's helped me grow up and, I asked him one day when I walked in, I said, you know, hey, man, um, we've been working together. And I, th- I feel like I've made some progress. Like, yeah, you really have made some progress. I said, like, what was it like when I first walked in here, bud? He's like, well, you know when, like, a really fat person walks into the gym for the very first time and starts training? That was you. <laughs> <laughs> I was, like, emotionally obese, you know, dining out on emotional junk food and negative thoughts and just self self-deprecation and huge amounts of self-beliefs, self-limiting beliefs. And I was just, you know, I had a whole whole cocktail of issues um, that I had to pay down. I had to go and pay that debt down. Well, let's talk about some of the stuff you're interested in at the moment. You know, like there's been a, you're talking about different changes. We've seen the laptop drive um, go live and seen some cool videos. You're getting out there and dishing out people laptops, keen to unpack that. And, and what's the concept all about? Yeah, so I think, why my mom, um, you know, very passionate person, amazing woman, absolutely incredible woman, um, worked, you know, incredibly hard to give her three kids what they have and I'm very grateful to her. But, you know, money was like a lot, always a thing that was discussed in the house. You know, it took, took quite a while before, it, you know, they, they were able to break through um and she, um, I went to her one day and I said, you know, um, I, you, I used to use my dad's computer and, you know, it caused a bit of havoc. And I said to her, like, you know, um, I don't know how we got to the topic, but she, she basically said, like, you know, what is it about computers that you, you know, you're, what are you doing? You know, I'm like, I'm building, learning about how the internet works and, you know, I, I play games and stuff, but really I was not that constructive, although it was the place where I was learning the most. And, you know, when I was at university, I didn't really participate that much in university. That caused a whole other issue. But anyway, that's I just loved naturally picking, looking at computers and more what they could do, um, which is really, the, I think, the purpose of a computer is well, what can it help a person do? Um, and she... Um, said, and I was distraught. My, I had this, this, this um, really, relatively basic machine that died. It, it's hard drive, and I was distraught, like I was broken from it. I'd lost everything. And she came to me and said, "You know what's happened? You know, like I wouldn't normally react." And my mom, like I didn't normally ask my parents for 
things. I didn't, I just didn't do that. Like it just, I was like, this is not a process that I would go through because, you know, it's just not from the circumstance in which we were in. And I, and I, and she said like, what is it about this computer? She said, you know, it means a lot to me. And I, you know, I'm learning from this. I didn't say that at the time, but she could tell there was something going on. So well, let's go and buy a computer. And I was like, whoa, that's like, you know, computers were like pretty expensive in the beginning, right? If, I would say, and this was just a white box, no monitor, no keyboard, no nothing, just a box. You know, what are you going to do with that? She I took it home and she was like, are you sure we should have paid two and a half grand for this? Like what exactly have you got here? And, you know, I cobbled together the other components and made it work. But, you know, I basically that was the computer I built my first company with. That was the thing I learned to build websites with. That was the computer that gave me the opportunity and chance to find something that I did love, you know, that, and, and I, I'm just so grateful to that. And I thought, what could I do to give back? And I thought, Hey, can I, you know, give computers to people that need them? And, you know, there's like millions of Australians today, uh, particularly with COVID that just didn't have a computer. They were just left out. They just couldn't go to school or they, couldn't participate in work or they just couldn't learn or grow or, you know, they just weren't there. And I felt for that, you know, that I was like, wow, that, that I need to do something about that. And, you know, I, I haven't really, I, I will confess, I haven't done many things like this before, but this is something I deeply believe in. And, you know, I want to, I want to change. How do we get involved? How do people get involved? If you want, I know it's like donate, donate computers and get people to sign Second up. Hand so computers. Listen, how do they yeah. get involved? Yeah, you just jump on. Um, if you look for um, the laptop launchpad on Finder, just type laptop launchpad Finder. Your website will come up, a web page, and it walks you through all the steps of how you can get involved or what you can do to contribute. Um, yeah, and we, we just, you know, secondhand computers. They can, I believe, can make a big difference. If you're not using it, then, you know, hopefully someone can. And I think for companies, you know, if you bring an initiative like this in, it's good because, you know, people will take care of their laptop because after it, you know, after, say, five years or whatever, they're using it, they'll maintain it and then they'll, it'll be better for that person because they know where it's going. And so then, you know, maybe you won't have as much hardware turnover. And, you know, I, I just think it's a, that's, that's sort of a rationality idea there. But, like, the impact to me is to the person is what's important, right? That I fucking love that stuff. Giving people opportunity that normally wouldn't have the access, um, yeah. you know, we're all human. You've got the same, you know, you've got the chance to fucking make shit happen like I did. You know, it makes fucking total sense. That's our, that's our whole ethos for next year pretty much, isn't it's it? It's funny because it's yeah. like since for us, we feel like we've both got unconventional pathways into the world of tech and digital and all that sort of stuff and talking about like what potential exist in this space it's like fuck there's so many people at the moment that are unhappy with their life or they haven't done what they wanted to do it's just like fuck if you want to do something about it you can go and create whatever you want to create you mentioned before like the idea factory and like testing things and experimenting and getting out there and having a crack and just doing and actioning your ideas for us that's the shit that we're like deeply passionate about and obsessed with helping and support people you need to unpack yeah. more about like what's your process about running experiments what do you look for yeah. when you go and test ideas Angels like and stuff you mentioned edginess and stuff living on the edge i feel like that's sick that's what people want you know they want interesting stuff so we'd love to unpack that yeah i think that 
a good place to start if I was, you know, and I, I do this on a continuous basis. And right now I'm really seeking to create my ultimate creation. Like it's, I'm, I'm working to build something that's like one of my highest order creation. So I'm, I'm seeking right now and I'm in discovery. So I can probably share. And what I tend to do, and this is my approach. So maybe it's probably a much more logical way. Um, is I, I, I try to manifest as much serendipity as possible, which is just oddly bumping into um, what I call, or, you know, Peter Thiel talks about this as well, as sort of secrets in the world. Um, secrets are like insights that you believe about the world and realize that no one else does. Like you, you, you go against conventional wisdom that you know, just like you know when you're playing Super Mario and there's that secret place that you can go to a secret thing you can do. That's what I think um, I'm seeking. That's what I look for is what is the secret that I can, that I believe about the world that is against conventional wisdom that um, I believe in no one else does. And then the next question I ask is, can I do this for 10 years? Um, again, that's a, probably a bizarre question, but I think about things in, quite long timelines like finders you know it's a 12 13 year old business it's not like a new new business it's a slow consistent growing um but you know we work feverishly but it's a continuous like it's not like a extreme boom um kind of thing it's like a consistent every year year on year kind of business because it was cash flow funded you know i yeah, put the, I, I was the first investor by putting my time in um, and that's the way it stayed. Uh, and lots of people obviously then contributed. But, you know, I think another great place to look um, is if you look at it, something that you naturally do, like it's something you love, um, you know, is that like fishing or barbecuing or um Wrestling for luck. Uh, yeah. Wrestling or making cakes <laughs> or, you know, you love sushi or whatever it may be, right? I think that is a jumping off point for where you can do something. And if you can figure out a way to do it, great. I'm talking 10x better than someone else, than anyone else. And if you start to go 10x better than anyone else in the world, now you're talking a whole other little, whole other category, right? But it's something you love. And I I just know deep down, no matter where you choose or what it is, there is a way to monetize that. Um, for Because people, you know, as much as, you know, people buy, you know, discount and cost-effective things, price is one thing. But there's also someone out there that wants to pay premium and they want a special experience. They want the greatest in the world. They want the best. And there's a lot of people that want to do that. You know, a lot of people drive BMWs and Mercedes-Benz. Like, whereas a Toyota or a Hyundai or a, you know, whatever can be delivered just as well to the the requirement, but there are people who are willing to pay for the best. So being the best at whatever it is that you love or passionate about, I believe, and that mastery and that dedication to be 10x better than anyone else um, is a great place to begin. And that was, I suppose, for me was in, I wanted to be, you know, to, to take on the biggest and most crazy keywords, you know, like in Google and, and credit card was one of them. I was like, that's the craziest word ever. 
to ever go and rank number at the top of Google. And I was like, well, I'm just going to go and figure it out. Like just for the sake of, you know, and that journey, but produced a company which actually serves people like the actual product helps people. And by helping other people, it helps me. That was just, but by chance, right. That I was able to go and go on this journey. And I just naturally love to, I guess, just sort of comes out, I help people. I don't know why. I don't know. It just, I prefer helping people and things I'm involved with have a positive externality involved. Um, and so I just, you know, I just stretched that, that belief and, and, and followed that. And I think if, if just, you know, if you deep down look at something you love, I mean, like love, you just love it. It's like not work to you. You just keep doing it. You know, Henry Ford was a mechanic, right? Henry Ford was a mechanic and he worked on his engine and his car and he built the first two cars in his hometown. There were no other cars in his hometown apart from his two cars, which he sold um, locally in his town. And those two people were driving around his car, right? Um, but he was a mechanic and his parents didn't want him to be a mechanic, but he loved loved that, loved it, like, like loved it. And I think that's where the genesis of a lot of these things come from. Um, I'm, say- I'm not saying like there's, there's probably other ways to approach it. It's just naturally how I think of approaching some of those things. It reminds me of like um, Steiner schools, you know, when you go in and like you're, you're taught at a young age, like go learn what you want sort of thing. Like if you show interest in like dancing or something, go, you get taught that specific skill, yeah, you know. Yeah, not everyone fits into the convention. Yeah, program. but is that like how early is too early of finding out what you what you like, what you really, you know what I mean? Like t- trying things that you love, you know, as a kid, you love lots of things, don't you? Yeah. So that might be a bit harder, but when you're a bit older, it's a bit... If defined your interests. Yeah, yeah. So is that like the, the confidence thing? Did you always have the the confidence in, in you know, just putting yourself out there and all that sort of stuff? Like, especially now with, you know, you're stepping down as the CEO, you're going to be... Do, like, you've got a book out. It's called Go Live. Um, it's a number one Amazon bestseller. So, I mean, you're doing the book tours now. I'm sure you've got lots of stuff on for the, for the next year. Is, is that more of that sort of stuff as well? I, I don't think in the beginning I, you know, I think I found it quite hard to put myself out there, and I didn't do that. I reckon the first, you know, seven eight years of Finder, I, I didn't do that at all. In fact, it was I purposely wanted other people to be the people who, you know, built their brand because I did it last time with my first company, and I was like, it's it's just a lot of emotional work. It's a lot of emotional work. There's a lot a lot of energy you got to put out, and I I didn't I, I actually yeah I just stayed away from it. Um, and then I was like, you know, naturally I like to, you know, I feel I can speak and communicate, um, and, and share ideas and thoughts that I have. I think deeply about things and I try and share them as the most informative thing I can think of to other people. Um, and that's just natural. I just enjoy that. But I think I had to learn and grow as a person to be able to do that. It was not a natural uh, thing, particularly when you know, you get a, like when it, anytime you put yourself out there, you, you're going to attract negativity as well as positivity, right? So, um, you know, I think that's where the emotional growth comes in, and you you leverage that as fuel to keep going and be better. And then, you know, any comment that happens or anything that does happen, it's sort of what I learned the hard way, or from doing many. Positive things and negative things that happen, it just eventually fades away. People forget, and they're onto the next thing. And then you can go and put another thing out, and no one remembers that thing anymore. They're like, maybe 
four people do and because they're clinging on to it for some weird reason, but they were the ones probably writing the comments that made themselves feel better because they felt some lacking in themselves that they needed to pull someone else down to make themselves feel better. But like everyone else has moved on and the world is like that, right? So it's as this natural clearing out. It's a beautiful thing, right? It clears out. The rain comes, it clears out. Just, you know, just it's a natural process. And that's a, that's, that means that the world, I think, is, you know, a natural place where growth is rewarded. But you, if you keep growing and keep putting it out there and you just keep building yourself, you know, that was my version of me back then. I did my best thing and that's what happened. And now I'm going to put another version out of me right now and that's what's going to happen. You know, and then I'm going to do another version. And over time, slowly, you know, you can see, I think, uh, a progression, hopefully, you know, if you, if, you, if you keep going. I think the one thing, with all those things that, um, and this sounds obvious, but I, I actually don't think it's easy to do is to never give up. Just, you know, so someone described a company um, to me. Uh, they said a, co- a great company um, is a brilliant problem solver. Um, they all have problems, all of them. Every single one, and they're all making it up as they go. Every single one's making it up. No one knows the future. We're terrible at predicting the future. All forecasts are wrong. If we actually held economists to their predictions, they'd all be, you know, if, if they're all wrong. You know, okay, some are like coin flip bright, you know, but lo- over a long periods of time, they're solidly wrong. No one like, can- the, like the RBA on interest rates. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no idea. Um, so, and, and the reason for that is the world's way more complex than we realize. Way more complex. We we have a, our, I believe, as organisms that have evolved on you know this, and we've been around probably you know four million years. On you know, we were like a partial comprehension of what's actually going on. I believe, and because of that complexity, our prediction is like. It's like an ant going, you know, looking at a 2D world when there's like a 5D world going on. And we're like, you know, but we love predictions and then they're nice. They're like entertaining. They're like, you know, predictions are like to me modern horoscopes or like, you know, um, fortune tellers. You know, I think I think psychologists are modern fortune tellers. I don't mind that. Hey, it's been an interesting time in the world at the moment for crypto with uh, plenty, plenty of headlines. Love to get your current take on on what's going on and what got you so interested and why are you passionate about this space? Well, you know, I think, yeah, yes, we've had some big controversy and, um, you know, lots of things have blown up, unfortunately. But if you actually boil it down, the tech's working great. Nothing's failed. It's literally withstood the biggest ups and downs and it is still working great. Um, so I think the problem exists somewhere between the keyboard and the chair in crypto, um, somewhere in that junction, which needs a little tweaking. And we've got, you know, a bad actor that's, and maybe there's others that have been involved that have pulled the whole thing into question. But if you look at it and zoom out, the tech's working great. The tech actually worked. And, you know, if you look at the, the, the blockchain itself with things which are 
decentralized, have performed and outperformed, and I think will outperform even further in the future because we've even lost more trust with centralized. Is it, is it a control thing? I was about to say that. Is it a control thing? Is that why it's, from my perspective, outsiders looking in and seeing like what's happening, it feels like if if countries want to bring in things like digital currencies and all sorts of stuff, if these sort of things like Bitcoin are firing, well, it doesn't really do much. They don't want people using that. They want to use the stuff that they can control, but that goes against what a decentralized <laughs> platform actually does. So it's, how do you think it's actually going to play out as people... Like we see with COVID, everyone's adopting more and more of like where everyone's everything's going online. And I feel like we're heading towards everything's digital currency and all that sort of stuff as a normal thing. What do you see as the friction points of what happens as we move towards that? You know, I, I want to go back to, I think it might have been like 2001, 2002. Um, and it might have been earlier. I could, I could be wrong here, but in Pirate Bay was massive. Yeah, you're- oh, I loved it, bro. Pirate yeah. Bay was yeah. very, it was hugely popular site, right? And it literally took the music industry down. Like it was, and, you know, movies and all sorts of things. If, if, if you go back in time, which is quite fascinating, right? And I looked at a, a revenue chart um, of the music business of, you know, physical sales are like all-time bottomed and now streaming is like, and live performances. And, you know, it's changed, right? I think the, the thing is, but, you know, Pirate Bay is so interesting because it's decentralized, right? That's what that's what did so well. Why it was just almost a whack-a-mole. You just couldn't take it down. And I think, I think it showed some interesting technologies in terms of, you know, bit torrents. You've got Bitcoin. You can't shut it down. You can't shut down Bitcoin. No one can shut it down. It's too big, too decentralized. Like, I don't think everyone realizes on the long horizon, this thing is just begun and it's not stopping. And I think, I think that's quite a profound thing, right. To now exist where you have stored value, where, you know, a centralized authority can't take it from you and you can hold that. Right? That's a big deal. You know, if you think about property or land, you, you know, like if you look apart, unless you're the um, the king of England, um, you're, you someone can take that from you, right? You know the government can repossess that, or a crown can, or you know. But it's really, really hard, and to take uh, uh, your Bitcoin away from you, right? Um, and I think that's interesting. There's no Bitcoin tax, there's land tax, but and there's death tax. But you you know I think that's that that's a fascinating whole you know there is something going on here and you know i think it's 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 I, i'm a very big believer in that sense i think the other thing i just want to note for i uh, know just timestamp this podcast and i'm sure um everyone who's listening should come back to this but um the european central bank just said this is the final death nail for bitcoin you know and they're they're like writing about you know centralized um, currencies and there are all sorts of people that are calling Bitcoin dead. It's like I'm, I'm, I'm like, I'm like, that's the most bullish, bullish sign I've ever seen. Again, of the number of times it's been called dead, I'm like, I remember that in 2018, and you know, no one, like, in fact, I think 
no one's going anywhere. In fact, people are building more. Great technologies are coming in. This thing's going to get bigger and bigger. It's like ignoring the internet. That's what, like, like it's like, oh, I'm not going to go and cross, build a website. I'm going to stick with the yellow pages and the telephone and the fax. Not interested. That's the level we're talking about. You know, let's get into that point. Hey, our sponsor of the show, Heaps Normal, non-alcoholic beer. The question we ask all our guests is, what's your version of Heaps Normal? What's the thing that you turn to when you're looking to get some energy back in your life? Looking to get some energy? I, um, Side note, I, I'm a non-drinker uh, for now over four years. Um, so um, I support that. I think it's, I think it's really good. Um, you know, when I want to get some energy, I... I either watch something inspirational or I, um, I've started rowing and that sounds unusual. Yeah, um, 4am up at the river. Up a pump. The guns don't fit in that bomber jacket. Don't worry about that. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, uh, and, um, you know, I feel that exercise gives me energy. Um, it just does. I feel better. I feel I'm a better person. I think better. I think more creatively and, just being straight, I think, you know, just strapping on some shoes and just going for a walk or like a jog or doesn't, you don't have to go. Like, I'm not winning them. I'm not training. I'm training for life. I'm not training for like, I don't have a marathon or a thing. I'm just like, I'm just punching it out because I want to be better person and I want to be better to my kids and better to the, you know, our customers and build better ideas and serve people like deliver better ideas on this podcast. You know, I want to be on point. And that's why I do that. Oh, I love fan. that. It's the, it's the mindset, isn't it? It's the you love it. That's that was ingrained in you too. I think you what know I mean? what I mean. Like fitness just, or well, just that relentless. It's like anything. You know what I mean? Putting your mind to it, putting them things, doing the things that you don't necessarily want to do all the time, but you know that you got to put in the work to get there. And eventually, it feels better. You know, and it becomes fucking easy. You know, or you can get escape and get away. Like walking, bro. That's my favorite thing to do. That's where all the ideas fucking come from. You know, when you're not thinking about. The same shit. I'm sure you've probably had versions of like idea block to stuff like that just help you clear clear it all out. Definitely. I it was that you know, I think the best way to start getting some energy into yourself is just just to start moving as a human. Just start moving. Uh, the best part I love actually about uh, moving and expending energy is that I get to eat a chicken burger afterwards just quietly, but uh, it is a bit of my fetish uh, that I've We've been going around the world eating eating chicken burgers. Like grilled uh, chicken, fried chicken. What are we yeah. talking? Grilled, fried. Um, it depends. Like spicy. Yeah. Spicy is good. I like spicy. Um, you know, I just I don't know. I just enjoy it with a with a, with, a, with some some fries. Depends on you know. There's different types of fries as well, but um, I may dip into a soda from time to time. I confess. Um, or I might have an energy drink, actually. I, you know, I, I don't mind having a Red Bull. I know that's weird, but it is what it is. It goes well. Spicy food and energy drinks go together well. You're I'll, speaking Locke's language. I right love now. that. It's like I saw a meme the other day, and it's like people who write books are all on the energy drinks, and the people who read books are drinking the green tea and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> funny, you know? That's good. Yeah, that's good. A true reflection. I know it's like fuck. Like I think about it. Like I look at our car. There's V cans just rolling out the the thing, and we're going. Fuck, we're a bit feral, but like we need whatever it does to get by. You know what I mean? We just do what it is to get by. Yeah, it's great. Hey, who's the weirdest pe- person that's been? In- you can't, you can't throw people under the. Weird- oh, we- oh, weirdest thing, not person. <laughs> weirdest thing that's happened at the. 
I said thing and I said person, you know, <laughs> at the crypto castle, whatever, you know, you know what I get, you know what I mean. Um, so weirdest thing at the crypto castle, geez. Um, I think someone had some animals in the pool or something once. I can't remember what it was. Was it a llama or something? I, I can't remember. There was some some unusual animal once going around. Um, that was that was unusual. I think Dua Lipe was there the other day. She's kind of cool. Um, I think she got literally like one of those. She got like the unicorn like touch when she was created. You know, like just you know, obviously visually very good looking and also can sing and perform and act. That's that's natural. But then taking that and then going action to that's incredible. I think I admire that. You know, you don't just get you know she's put she's worked hard to get to there. But I just think that's that's great. Um, the weirdest thing, geez. Um, I set fire to my beard the other day. That was kind of punchy. Um, not on purpose, by the way. Looks sculpted. I was going to say, did you just go oh, to the hairdresser? It looks good. Yeah, no, and I, I was, I was, uh, I'd said that it was accident. It was accident. I was, I was eating, I wanted to eat a cake with the little miniature, um, dog. So I got a bit close with the, with the candles and then set on fire. But I don't know. I think you can like see it on TikTok. From Vikings. Yeah. Vibes. I'm waiting for the Fred Chibesta calendar, bro. I reckon that you can have 12 different looks with the beard. <laughs> There'd be plenty of people who buy it. You know, Christmas calendar. That's a great one. Yeah. I'm digging it. Hey, we're getting to the pointy end of the year. What, what are you excited about for next year? I think next year is going to be a tough year. A very tough year. <clears throat> um, I think this year was a tough well, like was a tough year. I think next year will be a very I'm forecasting a very tough year. Um, I think that it's taken a while for all the things to process through the system. And, in, in, and I think, you know, I, I guess I'm not, I'm not, I know I say this in a bit of a mildly down, so it's a bit of an intense topic, but I just, the reason why I'm excited about it is that I think dips make opportunities. That's where the opportunity will live. You know, hiring talent will be easier because, you know, obviously I think companies will shrink a bit. I think there'll be fertile ground because lots of people aren't experimenting as much. There'll be opportunities open up. New things will happen, new ideas. There'll be an explosion of creativity that will come out the back of next year. But it, I think it will be a tough year. Well, well I like that. that. Let's just end it there. End it real. I yeah, like end it. it real. Reality check. That's the way it is. So that's the way the cookie crumbles. Brad, thanks, so, thanks so much for jumping on chat with us. It's been unreal. Can't wait to get this episode out in the world. Awesome. Oh, you guys are great. You should, I, if, if, the, if you, if the, the research and questions you've asked in this one, you might, everyone should subscribe and, and listen to all your other podcasts. Oh, I like that. Oh, That's a good one. That's a good finish.